everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from Eric Frankhouse Presents. Here for episode 35, we're going to be talking about duos and running them. Back when I was a teenager, I used to run a lot of two-player games, specifically the Floyd Brothers. Two people. And I ran them as a duo. They played two wizards back when Dragonlance was really prominent. We were huge fans of it. And they wanted to have that Casamon and Raceland feel they wanted to play two wizards warring for different roads within Dragonlance. And they wanted a story built around them. At least, that's how I saw it. After jamming for 27, 28 years now, that story around them was something I couldn't have done with a large group. So the question is, what did I learn doing this? And how can I help you GM a duo as your main campaign, maybe side scenes, or something that you play when you see somebody a few times a year? So let's dig in episode 35, Running Duos. So let's go over the outline of kind of what we're going to talk about today. I may deviate. It happens. As a GM who's more of a freelance hip shooter, sometimes that stuff happens. So backgrounds matter a lot for stories. We're going to go over those how you tie them to NPCs in your world, and to how to develop those NPCs and create conflict. Because conflict creates drama, which creates good stories. And I don't mean drama for drama's sake. I mean drama like you see in Game of Thrones or that you see in your favorite TV show where people are either pitted against each other or have to overcome hardships or problems. Then, how to divide to strengthen. And we'll get into the details on that. Group narrative. So how you involve your players in the story you're telling. And then duo goals. And I think these are pretty important. And last, and most important, individual goals. How do you have individual goals within your group? And what do you do to accomplish them? And what do you ask your players to, to draw out those individual goals? And there's a little bonus section about leaving it at the table that I'll do after sponsors. But leaving it at the table after the two players are done so people can step away and not be fighting with one another. So let's get into it. And uh, let's start with backgrounds that matter. Backgrounds matter. They matter a lot when you're running any type of game. But I think they matter even more when you have a tight-knit group of people playing a game where airtime is pretty equal. And people playing the game have a lot of airtime to fill. And the backgrounds help fulfill them. But for duos, for me, backgrounds don't need to be rich and deep and, and have so much in them that the GM is trying to write around it. Instead, I think the player should be creating open-ended backgrounds with hard points between them where those two people come together. Because this is a duo story with solo nature aspect. I use backstory cards to help develop these, but there's many ways you can do it. If you go back to one of my episodes about defining moments, you could do that as well. Those defining moments are a great way to develop things between your two players to make sure that your session is as rich and deep as possible by using their backgrounds. So let's talk about what backgrounds you, you could do. Let's give a sample. Let's develop a duo during episode 35 here. So I'm going to take the two brothers that played together forever, and I'm going to use them as a template. Now, it's been 20-something years, so I don't really 
fucking remember what the characters were now without looking at notes. But I know there was one who was going for red robes and one going for white. In this case, we're going to use magic and monsters. One of them is Court of the Owl. Illusionists. Good at what they do. Subterfuge. They play the game great. And then the other one is going for Court of the Bone. They're about necromancy, life and death, how to deal with, how to help people pass on, and how to maybe even control the dead themselves. So you have this trickery and the idea of healing and death. These are our two wizards, right? This is what we're dealing with today. In their backgrounds, they went to school together. They come from the same family. We know that. Boom. Same family. On top of having the same family, we're not going to go with twins, but what we will go with is one is born from one father and one is born from another. And in doing so, this has caused one of them to be a half-orc and the other one is a human. We'll say the trickery, the court of the owl, is the half-orc. And we'll say the court of the bone is the human. And they're four years apart. One is a is served from on the road, hooking up with someone when that wife was younger, the woman was younger, and the other one is who she's currently married to. And that background is important. They're divided by parents, by dads, but together through their mother. And they're with the current dad, but that first one, that half-orc, does not know who his father is. That's one background. Another one, they went to school together. One was picked on all the time. We'll say that's the half-orc. And the human was not. This gives an area where the brothers get to decide how that was handled. But don't decide that now. Decide it in a moment. Let's put that down. They both went to the same school. They're within that same class of training for magic. Within that same year category like we do junior high and high school. And the one is picked on all the time. And we don't know how they interact with each other about it. Let's also go into something else important. Um, the half-work is physically bigger and stronger than the other brother. The new father, he is a jewelry crafter. He's very lithe and thin and he crafts bone into jewelry from fishing and hunting and so on and the boy has taken up to that he, he does the same thing as this this second brother this younger brother the orc the half-orc brother let's say there's there's something that stops him from doing this let's say he's a great spellcaster, uh but he has no way about him from artistry while he can craft illusions with his mind and is strong, his body is large and cumbersome, maybe he's even large for orc standards. And this has caused the problem between the two. They rely on each other because they have to, and we leave it at that. Now let's get a lot of another background thing in place. One that we can use. Let's do it from uh, a combined side. There was an event in their life where they were traveling with their father, the, the current father, the jewelry crafter, and their mother. And while traveling from city to city, selling jewelry and gathering things, um, their favorite horse that traveled with them, pulled a cart, died. And the fathers decided to honor him. They are going to make jewelry out of this horse and give one to the orc son, the stepson, and one to his son. And let's say one of those pieces is better than the other. And we won't decide that until it's needed and seen. And with these backgrounds, every time we start a new game, for running duos, I will ask them, I need one more thing from your background during this session. It may or may not come up today, but I want it to fill out something we've already accomplished last time we played. And these backgrounds will weave, and you have your player characters fill out the things that happen and the connections, and eventually they will come with our next segment.
ties to NPCs. So how do we tie them to NPCs? Well, as a GM, you should have an idea of the story arc you want to run. Especially by the end of this, you should know when we get to those duo goals, individual goals, they should be tied to NPCs. But some of that should be placed now, and very simply. And here's what I mean. So we have these two brothers that now we know they're in different schools of magic. We know they're from different fathers. We also know that one is larger and mentally really, really quick. Good with illusions because he can't craft with his hands. While the other brother, the younger one, can craft with his hands like his current father and has the ability to manipulate dead and shape and do things. There, there needs to be NPCs involved. So I think there should be a mentor for each, for sure. I think you need the parents fleshed out enough to where you know who they are in general demeanor, description, how they function, how they relate to both. And we all know parents have a favorite, so there should be a favorite between them. Uh, maybe for different reasons. They have favorites for different reasons. I think the the mother has no magic in her blood other than what a human is born with. Um, and maybe the mother is marked and the kids don't know. She has orc blood and they've never seen it. Maybe there's something about her. Maybe she files her fangs off. Uh, or maybe she... Um, has green skin but uses illusions uh, from her blood to cover it. These are things that we can use as secrets. She currently, though, is unmarked then. Because remember, in my setting, marked means magic you've cast in on a monster has come back at you. If you're not playing magic and monsters, do something else. Uh, maybe the mother really has a fake arm, and it's due to her old husband, the other orc, or the other half-orc. I mean, he didn't do it, but it's... Something shameful, maybe something bad happened. Maybe he is a horrible person. But what I would do is leave it open. Just say she's missing a hand, put a couple reasons as of why, and she uses a fake hand and the kids didn't realize it until older in their lives. Or they don't know the story yet. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. Other ties to NPCs. We said they're traveling and they sell stuff. I think you could do something with the stagecoach person who helps ride drive their stuff. Maybe... A couple different cities, you talk about the different um, shop owners that they deal with, the people who buy the father's jewelry, the people who buy the different services now from these boys who are graduated that do necromancy and illusion. Think about that as NPCs that be tied. I think you should have NPCs that are tied to the family, that are a problem. Maybe the dad is under the thumb of somebody still in contract of crafting undead for this evil human being or this evil person. Maybe secretly, your father carries a phylactery for a lich, and it's the reason you move the whole time. And that NPC is the lich. So keep some loose ideas together, moving into the idea of conflict. Conflict is part of story. And it's even more important in duos. If you think about the old uh, Batman-Superman adventures, there's a conflict between them and how they solve problems. Superman being able to do everything, but Batman reply, relying on his technology, his wits, and his ability if you looked at the Casamon and Raceland, if you remember Dragonlance, big, strong, warrior Casamon, Raceland was a thicker thinker, but physically weakened to the point where he had to drink tea every day to stop from his health deteriorating. These kind of conflicts are internal and external. And when designing a duo, you have the ability to do conflict and conflict resolution. I don't think you get to do it at a party of five. You get to dive deep, but you have to lead your players to it. Because sometimes diving this deep is hard for people. They're not used to going outside of their comfort zones, unless maybe they're LARPers or actors. Start small, is what I always say. Pick a conflict that is personal. Pick a conflict that is 
physical, and then pick a conflict that is between the two siblings, or two players, I should say. In our case, the siblings. Here's an example of each. We'll start with a conflict between the siblings. This is probably the easiest. They don't have the same dad. And because of this, we talk to the player and say, hey, how do you feel about not having your dad around as the half-work? And how do you feel about him being your brother, but no longer having that uh, that connection to your father that you do. How do you guys handle this? I need a conflict here. Is it heated? Is it understood? Is it secretly something? And then have the players write it down and give it to you, but don't don't tell each other. Individual conflicts for themselves. And then you ask them, how do you guys feel about this conflict to each other? Like, do you talk about it? Do you lie about it? What do you say? And let them say, you know, if the half work goes, I'm fine with it. I don't know who my dad is. He's a horrible person. But his card secretly says, I loathe the fact that my father's not around and I'm constantly jealous. And sometimes it comes off in my young age. While the brother who does necromancy, the one of this father says, outwardly, he bugs him constantly as the older brother, but looks up to him. And privately, what he says is, I actually know who his father is. And he's one of my dad's skeletons. This becomes conflict at the table later on. And that kind of conflict can drive some stuff as they start to realize things and it comes out in play. I say this because that duo can really make this a strong story. You don't have to be running around murdering and fighting all the time. You can actually dive into the story and have a good thing between two people communicating. And they talk to each other about everything. And, and this allows you to drive not only just conflict, but drama. So let's also talk about inner conflict the drama, the conflict of, of the person. We have this half-orc who doesn't know his dad, who's an illusionist that is known for being brutish, and he has the conflict of trying to balance that brutish nature of being able to fight and be a warrior and go out and do the things that his kind does. But he also is mentally smart. People probably don't expect that from him. And he has the conflict of how to balance what side is more important. Maybe he's a barbarian wizard if we're playing 5e. Maybe he's a warlock. Eldritch Knight, something along these lines where that conflict is really causing problems. If he's a warlock, think about the cool things you could do for something from the realm of shadows, teaching him his illusions and telling him he's smarter than those around him. And when those aren't, they can bend to his will physically. That internal conflict can make an amazing character. Moving over to the brother that is necromantic, human, younger, being young and being able to do what he does, they don't think someone of his age should be able to craft the way he does. And every single person around him challenges him and causes problems for him. Yeah, your dad does this, but you're 17. You don't know how to do this. You follow your father. You live in your father's footsteps, in his shadow. And that inner conflict could be something the player is overcoming. And you can kind of bring those moments up. And what I recommend for games like 5e is to build it into their bonds their ideals and craft them one out of it this is a personal two-player story where they can pick a background and you can just manipulate those backgrounds into something you need for dnd 5e and then let's talk about conflict that is external but not physical maybe this conflict is the husband and the wife their mother and father they get along but she doesn't like his business and he doesn't like something about her business and we don't know what that is as a GM, you should make that conflict and not tell the players because you need secrets as a GM. I have a house rule for myself when I'm designing things that everything I make has one to two secrets. And in this case, my secret is the mother is an assassin 
and she provides all the bone for the father. Everything he crafts comes from her. He hates that she's murderous, but cannot survive without her. They love each other as people, but they don't respect one another's jobs. That's conflict. Thanks for the sponsor. Anchor, I wish I could see what sponsors you're going to put up or I could pick them so I could do a lead-in from here, but I can't. So let's move on to the idea of divide to strengthen. When running duos, you need to have side scenes, individual scenes that help strengthen that player's character so that when they come back as a duo, they work together. We are lucky. We live in a technological society where you can have a text string between you two, an instant messenger, Discord, there's a conversation going on just between the GM and that player about things they do in downtime. And I believe downtime helps build characters in large groups, but even more so in small duos. Think about downtime and divide it into segments. And what I mean by that is this. When you camp for the night and you end a session, there's those couple hours that you can set up a side scene between the GM and the player And that GM could play an NPC. It could be mechanically something that that player is doing, building an item, studying books, and have a little conversation with them and learn something new. Learn something to develop the story and divide them to strengthen the characters individually. So, for example, the orc stays on watch, the half-orc brother, who is an illusionist. And he puts an illusion over the place to make it look like they're just a grass field. So no one jumps them. But he gets bored sitting there watching his brother sleep. He knows the parents is the parents aren't really sleeping together and notices that the mother is up and wandering about. And she asks the kid this favor. Hey, can you make it look like I'm laying there in case anyone wakes up? I have something I need to go do. And you can have that quick side scene that the other player does not know about. Make it short, set a time limit, five, ten minutes. And then the next time you guys get together to play from after that camping session, he has a choice to make. Or maybe the mother doesn't come out back and you can set it up. And the mom says not to say anything. Another example of conflict is you guys get to the city you're going to be in. You know, you're going to be there for two to three weeks. And you say, everybody, there's going to be some time for at least two weeks you're off. What does everybody want to do? And you can individually talk to them and see what they're doing individually. I'm studying new spells. I'm learning to craft something from a crafter that's in the area. And let them bring something back that brings information to the duo and strengthens that character. Maybe give them a skill. Maybe give them a toolkit they didn't have. Maybe give them an item they didn't have that they can craft upon and build. Something that is unique to them. When it's in combat scenarios and you want to divide to strengthen, they're always stronger together. And you should always implement that as duos. When they're together, more can be accomplished. accomplished. They get more done. They're stronger together. But dividing them, they learn to do things they couldn't do before. And sometimes those scenes are great. Divide them up and then give that other player an NPC to play in that scene, or a monster to play in that scene, so they're not sitting idly by. Divide to strengthen. I use it in large group play, and I use it as one of my tools in duos as well. So we've done a lot of stuff to set up the players, set up how I help run the games. Let's talk about group narrative. Indie games over the last, let's say five to ten years, have really taken the group narrative idea Uh, Things from improv, the yes and, and put it into their games. I I still believe Blades in the Dark is one of my favorites for this. 
Um, but there are others out there. When you're running D&D or running another game that doesn't have group narrative built in, just add it. It's not hard. It's a GM asking questions and letting players help decide. So we have a scene right now where our two brothers are in a city for three weeks. One of my plotted adventures, there's a place called Otan. Otan is a farming village with crafters that come in and out. They have an area where different wagons park there all the time to sell their goods. Let's say this is where we are in Otan. And you have this idea of a group narrative. And you go, all right, everybody, I know there's going to be Otan is a farming village where the center of this area in the farming area has a place almost like a farmer's market. I need three wagons and what do they sell? You let the players pick. It lets them pick things that maybe they want, pick things that you can use for story. So let's say one of the players says, oh, there's a merchant for scrolls. I love to be able to buy new scrolls. There's a merchant from scrolls. And I asked them as the GM, what does it look like? He's like, oh, the wagon is uh, covered in parchment that they roll down, that's, or in leather, they roll down and tack to the side of the cart. And on the side of that cart, there's writings of all things that are available. And they um, kind of chalk them out when they're no longer available so they can wash them off later. And there's a few really old ones where a lot of things are crossed off. Cool. I like that. And you go, all right, what about you? And he goes, well... I do the magic stuff, but I really need weapons. I want there to be an arms person here. And that's all they give you. As a GM to help group narrative, you go, any other ideas? Like what the wagon would look like? The half orc goes, I don't know, it's wood. And the other person goes, yeah, it's wood and armored. As the GM, you take cue from that. You're like, you know, it's a good idea. You wanted an armor? It's an armored wagon. And actually that armored wagon can be rented. He will escort people. But he does sell arms and armor and he picks them up from the battlefield. He's not a merchant of goods he makes. He's a merchant of good he f- goods he finds. half goes, oh, I like that. I'm really looking for a tower shield. Well, now you have the chance to do that for them. Let group narrative happen in other ways, too. Remember how we didn't fill out our backgrounds and the ties to NPCs, we kept them loose? Well, let's say that first thing comes up. One of those things in the background. And let's say it's about that... M- I'll, I'll go with the, the father of the orc who took their current mother's hand. Let's say it finally comes up. The kid's looking at the hand that's sitting on the table, and I ask you, what does the hand say? There's something written on it, on the arm that attaches that flat part. There's a message to it, and it is personal. What does it say? And you ask both of them. One of them goes, what if it's, I'll never forget you. The other one goes, no, it's a war chant from him as an orc. And the GM goes, "What uh, what if it's a little bit of both? What if it's a... Though we're not together, we shall never be apart. A part of me is a part of you. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, maybe this hand that they're using is crafted by that orc. Now that half-orc knows his father was a crafter too. Just different. And it's an armored gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. And you got this dialogue you've built. You write it down, and now it's canon. Group narrative. Setting scenes, setting moments. Ask your players, because the only way you're going to know what they want is that they tell you. To the last couple points. Last couple points, duo goals. This is easy. You simply ask them, I need three things that you as a duo want together. And you let them list some things out, and you pick a couple, and you run with it. Going back to our brothers, I think the simple things are to find that half-work's father, or his grave, if he's not alive, or if he's dead. We all secretly know it's a skeleton that the dad, current dad, is using. But that doesn't mean we can't find a way to talk to the spirit or something along those lines or the kid lies. But duo goals. Finding his father. We can say the other one. 
Maybe the kid wants to learn to be a better crafter than his father and is seeking a master craftsman to make undead so they don't look undead. They look real and they can fake their way into society. Maybe vampirism. Who knows? Duo goals. Having their own cart. Finding a city to live in. Traveling to other planes. Simple goals that you can fill out as a group together with group narrative and the GM leading the way. Duo goals could be even I need a specific spell. Remember, this is a duo. The idea of getting fireball in a two-player game could be outstanding. But if you're using the idea of duos as side games, let's say players are gone from your main group, but these two want to play, instead of awarding experience, award them an item, a thing, a piece of story. This could be duo goals as well. Hey, guys, we're going to play a session with just us today. What is the goal? Something both of you want. And run it. And when all your players come back to the table... Maybe they're on vacation, it's holidays, whatever it is. They now have some cool information they didn't need. Or sorry, didn't need, didn't have before. Dual goals are important. The section is short because you should be asking questions. What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Is it an object? Is it a thing? Is it a place? Is it an ideal? Find out what they need. Seasons have changed, and magic fills the fencing fields. I know of those who seek my home to steal from my lair, the one built by my powerful parents. Magic and Monsters Marks of Men will be releasing its first series of plotted adventures. These are an audio-guided adventure to make prep for the GM easier and enjoyment for the players. These will be releasing starting with the first episode at the end of March. You can find them at www.patreon.com slash Presents. Sign up as a patron and get your first three Plotted Adventures. So we've talked about duo. Let's talk about individual. Players grow. They level. They get new skills. Depending on the system you're playing, each time they go up, they get something new. But you should ask them what their goals are other than the powers they gain. For example, that half-orc may want to become... Someone who can use a tower shield and full plate while casting magic. It's a duo. Let it go. Let it happen. Find a way for him to train in those things and minimize his penalties so he's having fun. We're here to tell a story. And the most memorable players and characters and creatures and things throughout history of games we've ran, movies we watch, TV series we enjoy, are the things that break the norm. So if he wants to be a great sword-wielding, full plate mail casting half-orc, figure it out. Ask their individual goals and ask them early. And when one is achieved, ask for another one. Maybe the half-orc, that brother, just wants a family of his own so he can do what his father failed at. Maybe this necromantic young kid, this jewelry crafter of bones, learns about his father carrying a phylactery and decides, if I was a lich, I could be more powerful than my dad. Individual goals. Don't give them to him fast. Make them earn them. 
pick the pace of your game. Decide it up front. Hey, we're going to be playing nine episodes. Every three, I'm going to try to make sure one of your individual goals are hit. Let them know. And then do it. Bring it to action. Individual goals are important. It's player growth other than rules. Change ideals. Change bonds. Change backgrounds if you need to. Make it feel like it's important. Because it is. Individual goals should be something that the player strives for outside of the rules. Or they should be things they're striving for in the rules that should not be easy to achieve. Ritual casting as a fighter. The ability to, to craft an artifact. To get a wizard's tower. Pick things with them. Help them. Guide them. And then, like I said before, make a secret individual goal. One you didn't know. Something you were going to offer them. Let's say while that necromantic young boy wants to become a lich. Instead, offer him the phylactery. And in doing so, becoming the protector, he becomes an undying vessel. Well, that is until that lich dies and he needs a body. But it will at least give him immortality until the lich needs him. For that half-orc, maybe he finds his father, and his father is an orc. Not only is he an orc, he's an orc king. And he left because he not be married to a human queen. And especially not the assassin sent to kill him, the kid's mother. Think about these things as individual goals, finding their father, becoming their father, doing things that are not something you can do when you have six people, five people at the table. Things can get real fucking heated between two people if, if the conflict gets strong. Always be willing to step back. There's the X card rule. I know I've talked about it in the past where when you're uncomfortable, there's a card on the table you hit. But when you're running a duo, you need to have some parameters and set in in the beginning. Saying, hey, let's not have you know mutilation of children or well, everything's open. And if it gets ugly, we'll, we'll tap out. But two people, you usually know each other when you're willing to want to duo this way. What you don't know how to do is leave it at the table. If that younger necromantic son steals from the half-orc, steals something important, there could be conflict. It should always be PC opt-in. And you tell the players, how do we want to do this? With everything, do you say, hey, are you into this? Let's do it and build upon it as a group. Or is everything opt-in to start? And then after the session, we talk about it. I believe in it should be, if you're comfortable, opt-in. Tell them, hey, I want to do this next session. Are you in? And if they opt in and help you develop loosely what you want to do, it's easier to leave at the table. And leaving at the table should be stepping out of your character, setting it down, and literally walking away and just enjoying the story as someone watching the show instead of being in the show. Actors learn this all the time. It is hard to do. My friend Drew is fantastic at stepping away from it. And my friend Kelly as well. And you probably have friends like that too. But leaving it at the table takes time. And people will get hurt and frustrated and just talk about it. Be like, hey guys, remember, none of this is personal. The goal, though, the two-player thing is to leave the wang rods and the words of Matt Coville, the grognards and the assholes at the table. Don't be them when you walk away. Never try to ruin the other player's fun. These are two people with the GM developing a story together. Make sure you know how to walk away. And if it gets too heated, maybe you have to end that story. Maybe you have to end that part. Maybe you need to rewind. Do whatever it takes. You're all friends at the end of the day, guys. 
We're here to play a game and have fun in a hobby. Don't ruin other people's fun. All right, everybody, I want to add a little something to the podcast. I have not done this before, but back in the day, I used to run a review site with my brother called Refresh and Reload. Primarily, it was video games to start, turned into board games, but I wanted to kind of start doing that in shout outs to things I use in my everyday. I'm a different GM. I, I meet a lot of people. I'm lucky enough to travel, and I'm sure shit lucky enough to meet all these amazing people behind the scenes that craft stuff. So let's talk about that. Lately, thankfully, met a gentleman named Danny Grimes. He runs Morningwood. Uh, Morningwood is a company that makes terrain for your tabletop games, primarily RPGs, cut from wood, laser etched. They take paint, they take, uh, they can glue together, they take stain. You can do whatever you want with them, but you can quickly lay out a dungeon or an area or use it to enhance that, you know, a double-sided piezo map that you have by saying, hey, this is a room and laying some pieces down. It is cost-effective, and the laser cut quality is awesome. And he's just doing more and more. I really love what he does. been lucky enough to play with him at GaryCon this last uh, March. And I have some of his product now to play with, and there is something about it feeling like pieces to a game and not so realistic that you're afraid you're going to damage or do anything to them. I really enjoy them. And they take up stain well, and they take up paint well. So I know right now he has stuff on Etsy. He is called Morningwood. I'm going to guess it's uh, www.etsy.com slash Morningwood. But if you search stores in Etsy, you'll find it. It's an M with a W, and he sells wooden terrain. And I think he's doing more stuff soon. He's an amazing craftsman. And if you follow me on any social media, you probably saw the table he made for auction uh, for charity at GaryCon. So I just want to do a shout-out. Danny, you're the shit. And thank you for making amazing products for my tabletop gaming. It's not an ad. This is just me saying, go check it out. Well, that is it for me. Episode 35, a little longer than normal. I wanted to give you some bonus content since I was away. I've just been busy. I'm going to try to get these out bi-weekly for you guys. If I could do every week, I would. Just travel makes it a nightmare. Um... No excuse, though, that I can't do it every other week for you guys. If you enjoy the show, remember you can call in. Anchor is a free app you can download. You can find that uh, in any of your phones, or you can go to the website itself. I think it's anchor.fm, and call into the show. If you love what you heard or questions about you want, or you want me to be a GM answering sage advice for you, I'm happy to do that. I'd like to give my experience to you guys, especially new gamers out there or old. So... Again, running duos is a blast. I think you should try it. And if it's not your main thing, try doing it a few times when people are missing from your game. Or maybe you want to run it as a side piece because they want to do something that would take too much time. There's always those players that want to craft or search or adventure. Maybe instead of giving them experience, you give them some some uh, story of their own with another player. So thank you so much for listening. We've had a lot of people listening to the show recently, and I'm like myself, I haven't been recording. I'm going to start making sure I do that for you guys. Don't forget to check out my Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com slash ericfrankhousepresents. If you sign up before the end of April, I will give you the first three plotted adventures for free. You'll also get a copy of the living document of me working on Magic and Monsters and Marks of Men, a new 5e setting of high magic and just some twisted stuff in my head that I wanted to get on paper. But that's it for me. I hope you enjoy the show. Do not forget to share it with your friends. 
And until next time, everyone, watch, listen, learn. Good gaming.